This is exactly right. Welcome to the not live version of my favorite murder, the podcast. That's Karen Kilgariff, and that's Georgia Hartstark. And here we are in the pod loft once again. That's right. It's only been four years. <laughs> oh, so dusty. Oh, dusty. There's cat <clears throat> hair everywhere. Ow! It kicking spiders. Shit. Spiders have made spiders? spider webs out of cat hair. Oh no! Yeah, we haven't been here in so long. I know. We've been. Uh, we're finishing up our fall tour this that's weekend. Right. Yeah, last two. Our last two uh, shows for the fall tour, Atlanta and Austin. That's right. Very excited. And we're already fucking planning and into the f- winter tour. How Win- are we alive winter- still? We're not. We're not. This is all uh, post. This is post-existence. Oh. That's oh. why it's so fun and interesting. That's right. It's not bad. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's pretty great. Our tickets for our winter tour have started going on sale for the fan cult. They're about to go on public sale soon. They're selling out super fast. So make sure you check out what's going on at myfavoritemurder.com and sign up for the email list because there's some surprises coming up too. So you'll want to be on, on top of that. But and thanks so far for all the, all the buying of tickets. It's going to be a really fun tour. Right. Uh, just keep in mind, first of all, it's best if you are, belong to the fan cult because then you know what's going on and you have insider, uh, advantages just as a recommendation from me personally. And the fan cult was a way to get people who got really pissed off all the time that tickets sold out so quickly a way to get first access to them so it's not a fuck we're just trying to make sure that a the scalpers aren't buying them all up and b the people who really really want them can have the best chance of getting them which are things we can't control right for all of these things it really does seem like there's people that keep showing up that don't understand that these tickets sell out in one minute so the fan call gets the first chunk of pre-sale then the pre-sale gets a chunk of pre-sale then the general public public get the last little bit of sales yes so there's different waves of of sell selling it and we're also maybe going to add shows here and there so keep an eye out for here, those. And there, here and there don't i mean now we're really in this bad position Listen, des moines like stop having yelling. answered the complaining hawaii though man if you can't get a ticket anywhere else get your fucking ass on your vacation t- mode to hawaii was that all that business that's all that i think listen to this fucking okay so we've uh we're i'll speak for myself i'm very tired we had a. <laughs> Quite the week last week, we had an amazing uh, group of shows in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Lots of my family and friends were there, which was very, very exciting to see everybody. Um, then we came home and then we had our Halloween show at the Microsoft Theater for 7,000 people, was which was incredible, pretty awesome and huge and big and awesome. Yeah. And then on Friday, we hosted um, the Winter Gala for PEN America, which is a nonprofit organization that supports um, the literary arts and free speech and basically makes sure that people who write and make uh, who write uh, writers, make movies, do whatever journalists, yeah, um, whatever. journalists are protected and that free speech is protected, which is like no, no, now more than ever. Right. 
So George and I had to host this thing. I don't, it wasn't a thing. It was a gala. It was a gala. Which you know, all I want to do in my life is get dressed up and go to galas. And you really did. Your dress was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Rent the runway. Otherwise, I never would have been able to afford that. Yeah, it was really cool. It looked old fashioned. Thanks. Um, so was yours. No, I looked like a witch librarian. <laughs> you looked amazing. Um, it wasn't. I thought the gala was three months away, so I had I had a dress I wanted to wear uh-huh. hanging on my closet door that I was like, I'm gonna get there. That's with my the swimming dress. routine mm-hmm. and my other ways that I'm being reasonable these days. And then it was like, no, 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 the gala is on Friday, and I was just like, what the fuck? So. We have to turn around and host this gala, which was very intimidating and whatever, Mm -hmm. and on the heels of everything else, a lot. Mm -hmm. And but it went great. It was such the people were the coolest. We met a lot of people that work for Pen America that were so nice. Um, And then there was just a cavalcade of of literary luminaries Mm -hmm. and stars in this audience. Um, One of which, and my. The thing I was the most excited about is um, the legendary actress Alfre Woodard presented director Barry Jenkins, who is the Oscar winning director for Moonlight. He has a new movie coming out mm-hmm. and she awarded she presented his award. He won an award that night, um, I believe, for film or for directing. And so I Georgia let me skip in front of her because we were doing switching off introducing people. And so I got to introduce Alfre Woodard. And when she came up on stage, she gave me that, like, she gave me a scrunched nose smile Mm -hmm. and said, you're doing so good as she hugged me. And so I walked away very emotionally overwhelmed by that. And then she introduces Barry Jenkins. And then she comes off stage while he accepts his award. Mm -hmm. And she gives me another sweet smile, but it's like this really small area backstage. Backstage, And she sits down and then I lean over her and say... You're a legend. <laughs> and then I burst into tears. I have never seen Karen so nervous or unperson before. And she could not have been more sweet and lovely. Was, and But I think I scared her a little bit. No, and then she was just like, let's take a photo or something, right? So yeah. we, so the three of us get up to go take a, there's like a photo area. And suddenly Karen's nowhere to be found. <laughs> and she, and Afri turns to me and goes, where'd she go? And I look around the, and I go, oh, you made her cry. <laughs> and she's, uh, Karen's around the corner, her back's to us, but I could just see her I'm trying to get it together. Holding folded up cocktail napkins under my eyes going, you're not allowed to cry right now. But it was that thing of like, I think it was the tsunami of that whole week, week and a half. And her speech was gorgeous. It was just very emotional. Yeah, Yeah, it was very, but I lost, I lost it. And then she had that look on her face that was like, oh, I have to get out of this small confined space (laughs) around this lady. But it was, um, thanks again to Pen America for having us host. We had the best time and it was super cool. Okay. And another reason to get on that email list that I just talked about. If you just go to myfavoritemurder.com, it'll show you how to get on there. We have a lot of really cool stuff coming up with our podcast network that is getting up and running real soon. The Exactly Right Network. That's right. And we have a bunch of new merch too at the website. Uh, A lot of really fun sweatpants and comfy clothes and pet stuff and t-shirts and fun new sayings. And we're also coming out with a holiday line soon, but there's just a lot of new stuff coming up all the time on there. So make sure to keep an eye on that. Yeah. And we'll be talking about the network more We'll we'll, um, be running some trailers for you, teasing the shows that we have on. And we have some really exciting announcements Uh of the people who are going to be having uh, podcasts on our new podcast network. So we're we're excited to be telling you about that. So stay tuned. We'll be don't worry. We'll inundate you with information. Oh, we're also speaking of the tour. 
We haven't talked about the fact that we're playing the Grand Old Opry. What the fuck? Could this conversation be more just like there's not one thread? We're both talking about different things every time uh-huh. we talk. What if we just had, we found out, everyone found out that we couldn't be in the room together anymore. So we're just recording our side of the conversation yep. and Stephen has to just stitch them together. But he's doing a really bad job of it. That's right, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. do love cookies and cakes. Yes. Oh, yes. Merch. <laughs> okay, then let me join it all together and read you this email that okay. I was laughing my ass. Okay, great. We have one about. more piece of housekeeping. Should I get it? Do out it. Of yes, okay. please. Uh, the other last piece of housekeeping is that housekeeping. Um, housekeeping is that um, we're now. You can now find us ad free on Stitcher if you should so feel like it. Yes. So uh, you can hear ad free episodes at. And my, did Dottie just fall down behind She me? just did like a, t- a somersault behind you in the most <laughs> silent comedic way that was really delightful. Good girl. <laughs> Improv. Dottie. Uh, you can hear ad-free episodes of My Favorite Murder every week. They come out the same time the episodes go up. So it'll just be up on Stitcher Premium. And you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium at stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code MURDER. So yeah, and just in case you don't want ads. Yeah, there's people that um, pay for their podcast hosting so that it doesn't take up a bunch of bytes and gigabytes that's right another reason because you don't and memory down. bytes that's on right. your computer so if that's a thing or you're just rich or you hate ads there's all these reasons yeah. but look into stitcher premium because um it's a good way to uh have some ad free podcast enjoyment sure all right so here's an email Stephen pulled for us uh and the subject line is episode 105 and it says hello a friend of mine had just listened to episode 105 about your review of the Netflix movie Murder on the Cape and the Krista Worthington murder. She told me to check it out. I had never heard of your show, so I looked it up and listened to it this morning. I played Tony Jacket <gasps> no! in the movie um my uh in the movie Mike Luna. Jacket is emailing us it's the actor playing jacket no it's jacket (laughs) i thought your description and the review of the movie was totally accurate (gasps) and so is the breakdown you provided for the actual murder case i have lived and worked in the area my whole life and i remember the events pretty well i'm not an actor and never claimed to be (gasps) one exclamation point oh my god i have been a welder by trade for 20 years oh my god i'm sweating (laughs) and i work all over the cape one fall saturday in 2014 i happened to be working on a job in Provincetown and one of the producers for that movie saw me working and begged me to go to an audition. No! That's like a dream come true for it's some like, people. It's like the beginning of a dirty Hollywood porn. Uh-huh. I was skeptical, of course, but I went anyway. A few months later, they called me back and told me I had the part if I wanted it. So I was just in the right place at the right time. It was fun, and I learned a lot, and I'm glad I did it. Keep up the good work. Best regards, Josh. Josh! Here's the best part. Josh, underneath his name, like a businessman, Uh has the name of um, the fabrication and welding company that he clearly owns and works for in in Brewster. Walther. His name's Josh, Josh Walther, and he works at Walther Fabrication and Welding in Brewster, Massachusetts. Uh, amazing. He, the idea that he wasn't an actor, yeah. he did, I wish I'd known that. He did and an one amazing of his friends was job. Like, you gotta listen to this episode. <laughs> Holy shit. Josh, I can't remember what I said. I Me hope neither. I wasn't too critical. I did enjoy watching Murder on the Cape for what it was. This podcast has reach. And it's weird. And it all is just so weird. It really is weird because it's like, it'll be like six months later, Mm -hmm. but we recorded it. So it's permanent. Totally. Don't talk too much shit. (laughs) I mean, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and lady, Karen and Georgia. But 
I just God bless that <laughs> casting director who's just driving around Provincetown yeah. like that one. I want him in my office tomorrow. She's so sick of fucking all the like actual actors that are coming in from the local theater. Yes. trying to talk like this. And she's like, I just want a normal person, like a welder or something. Hey, yes. Look at that guy with the rat eyebrows. He looks like a jacket. <laughs> He looks. He could be a perfect jacket. He could be a jacket. He could be an onions. He could be a whole. That's right. An everyman. Just, just a noun, last name based everyman. You know that we love that here on my favorite noun, noun my, last name. My favorite noun man. <laughs> uh, well, is that the end of business? I guess as we so. know it. I guess this um, is the end of this. Concludes the business podcast <laughs> portion of this podcast. I feel like I would like to say this episode for myself, anyway, mm-hmm. has the most uh, slopped together feel for the fact that we just haven't done normal podcasting Are you in so long. About your story, you mean? Yes, for sure. <laughs> pre, oh. I'm pre warning you about my story, but then also it's that thing of like. We've been doing so many other things. Yeah. This is the thing we actually do, and yeah. we haven't done it in so long. The, the, my favorite part, and I forgot how it works. Yes. I don't remember what, how it works. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I don't remember being this boring, usually. <laughs> I feel like we're a little bit funnier, usually. Yeah. Usually, we Not give you, ourselves... <laughs> no, uh, listen. Criticism taken. Look. Um, listen. We, Look listen. <laughs> we usually give ourselves a little more, but it's like, I feel like because we haven't taken care right. of business in so long, it's just like, get out there with the yeah, announcement. This person's been telling us that we need to do this. This person, so we had to get all this shit out here. Listen, all we want to do is talk to you guys about murder. Look, all we want to do is sit at Crooked and talk straight right. with you and Steven. Steven really is the one that's cracking the whip on us, and I'm fucking sick of it, because <laughs> you, everybody thinks he's so nice and dresses up like a dinosaur and how sweet that is and takes pictures with everybody. And that's all true. Yes, it he can always dress like a dinosaur <laughs> day and night day and night. He's in the corner right now. In, in fact, a, I happen to know he's at Universal Studios today drinking. I'm <gasps> calling you out, Steven. Steven. What were you doing? I was I was I got ready this morning. And so I was like, I do a little treat for myself before I come to recording. Tonight. <laughs> How, OK, we have to go over sip by sip. You can't see the problem is you can't put it on Instagram because Vince all day was like, Stephen's drinking a beer. Yeah. Stephen's having a margarita. We I like know. How Vince is calling me out. That's right. He will absolutely monitor your shit. To, you- be, to be fair, it was a birthday gift that you guys gave me. That's true. Ooh, way to throw it in our face. I wanted to show you because I've been going so much. It was worn out and they couldn't uh, read the barcode anymore. Oh my God. The best gift we've ever given. That was, that really? was really, really something. It really is. It, it was Vince's been. idea. So when is your birthday? Sorry. In April. So he's been oh. using that. Yeah. Oh my god, you guys, this looks like it looks like an antique poster if uh-huh. Harry Potter Universal Studios Hollywood was a movie from yeah. 1930. That's what this little piece <laughs> of like paper a, looks like. Like a train ticket. There hasn't been a train around <laughs> here. Universal Studios around here. And- Why? You can't get through <laughs> Uh, the brick wall. I'm trying to make a Harry Potter reference, but I'm, my brain isn't going fast enough. They had they had three customer service people trying to read the numbers, and they were like, and they were like taking bets to see who could get the numbers. <laughs> so right. you were all taking shots at the same time. Yeah, really. I was gonna say, is that before or after the drinking game? <laughs> I, I think because Hall- Horror Nights is over, oh. not, nobody has anything to do. So. Oh right. Yeah. All those all that extra holiday um, staff they hired. Man, we got to get Universal Studios to to fucking. What's it called? Sponsor this, Steven. 
Yeah, that's right. I'm into it. Yeah. Now, where do you go to have your beverages, Stephen? Do you not want to give away your hang at Universal Studios? I mostly just grab a Modelo down by the old Jurassic area that's all closed. <laughs> do you work at the bar there? Do you have to get an extra job because we don't pay you enough? I get, you, I get tips out there. Do you brown bag in a 40 of Modelo <laughs> and just sip it by a closed... That's what Charlie like, what's the best about Universal Studios is there's alcohol for sale everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. And parents. corn dogs. Parents, yes. you don't have to suffer at Universal Studios. That's right. They no. don't want you to. No. Well, and they're the tall cans, too. I, yeah, so. they, that's amazing. A tall boy? Yeah. It's like it's fucking Dodger Stadium or something. Hells to the yes. Except, well, no, I guess it is like Dodger Stadium because they are like 10 bucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're going to make you pay. Yeah. That's why it shouldn't be your total hangout. No. <laughs> Just special occasion mm-hmm. hangout. That's true. Like, like right before recording one of the biggest fucking podcasts. <laughs> no, I don't care. Yeah, tonight's the big one. <laughs> oh my God. Um, just make sure you you hit record already. Yeah. yeah. Did you check all the mics and stuff, yeah. Stephen? That Modelo sure will fuck you up. <laughs> now, so you had six of them? That's crazy. <laughs> yes. Wow. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye hey karen you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing i do i know it well Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and 
be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code space 80 Goodbye. are you sober enough to know who goes first tonight karen goes first i karen, almost dropped karen. the mic all right don't drop that mic yet <laughs> you did cover the basics like steven has a, a piece of paper in his notebook He's like that has oh, all they're the gonna things. ask me is <laughs> shit so you warned us i warned you are we getting read at an episode of I Survived? No, it's it's sloppier than that, if okay. you can imagine. Well, here's this is the thing, um, because I actually did have a couple um, fully written murders left over from when we were in the Bay Area yeah. that I would like change my mind at the last minute. Yeah. But this is one that I have somebody recommended it to me probably a year ago and probably when we were going to play Toronto or Montreal, maybe because it's a it's a Canadian story. Mm-hmm. Um but it wasn't long enough to do like it didn't feel long enough ever yeah so it's just been sitting in this little folder shorties are fine i feel like i feel like we're always trying so hard to be like five or six pages and there's all these involved things but sometimes there's like a really cool story and it looks like you have one piece of paper right there there's a couple pieces (laughs) but it was the thing where i'm tired of looking at it because i like it enough to not delete it but not enough to do it got it so i'm just doing it okay great this is a story somebody and if you are the one that told me about this would probably would have happened on twitter please um write to steven uh send him an email and say i'm the one that recommended it send him a modello send steven a gift certificate for <laughs> beer at the Universal Studio for fucking uh, 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 oh my god a can oh of Tallboy a Tallboy can I was gonna say amusement park beer but it almost came out advertisement park beer oh dear I tie tie Karen let's get through this and you can go to bed let's just get through this <laughs> god damn it sign up for Stitcher Premium <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh is it is it talk free too because I'll sign up to hear you guys shut the fuck up yeah I can't wait till you guys are fully entertainment free <laughs> um, okay this is the story of uh, the pilot Randy Mock <gasps> okay so the articles I got this information from are the Edmonton Journal and the Desiree News um, and this happened in Alberta Canada okay on September uh 23rd of 1992. Great. So I'll start you, I'm going to back you up a little bit, but the frustrating thing is there's no information about this guy. Um, there's no, yeah. like, it's not one of those stories where it's like, he grew up here and he went right. to this school. It's nothing like that that I could find. It's just this event that happened and a little bit before. So basically, in April of 1989, this guy, Randy Mock, gets his private pilot's license from the Edmonton Flying Club. Um, and the people who belonged to that club, they described him as a skilled pilot who had hopes of becoming a commercial pilot for a major airline. Um, but just three years later, all of that will get thrown out the mm. window. Uh, the quite, airplane window? <laughs> the airplane's window. Oh, shit. <laughs> Basically, we cut to the summer of 1992. Okay. Randy Mock's 30 years old, and he is having a very bad time of things. Um, he, that June, he had been laid off as an aircraft refueler at Sky Harbor Aviation at Edmonton's International Airport. Mm-hmm. 
And then in August, uh, his 23-year-old girlfriend, Donna Lawrence, mm-hmm. and Donna spe- spells her name no. D-A-W-N-A, no, no, no. Donna. I, the minute you said how she spells her name, so I was like, there's going to be a motherfucking W in there, and I'm going to fucking hate it. So the name Donna is like one of the greatest 70s names of all time, but then when you combine it with the name Dawn, which is the same name. greatest... 70s name of all time it's i mean i couldn't ask for more i mean it's it's another one of those imagine a baby named donna donna it's this baby donna how does this baby have black roots and bleach blonde hair (laughs) i can't believe it should that baby be smoking a capri (laughs) i really feel like and drinking a fucking watermelon just let me split this capri with donna the baby i have to get through today it's all i need donna has those um those small circular lighters that she keeps in the pack (laughs) The baby Donna, you know those lighters that like go in the pack? Because somehow she's always, she's never on a fresh pack. She's always like six cigarettes in. She's, she's, Donna is the original um, person who sent a child to the store to get her cigarettes. (laughs) She's the first and the foremost. That's right. Um, It's all about living your fucking life. Right, Donna? We love you, Donna. We love you, Donna. So, okay. So, Donna is 23 at this time. Great. She's dating Great Randy Mock and she breaks up with him and she moves back in with her parents. So the two of them, Donna and Randy had moved in to his South side apartment mm-hmm. for like four to six weeks, mm. kind of whirlwindy. She moved out, moved back home in with her parents who in Alberta, who lived at 149 a Avenue uh, at 72nd street. So that's the neighborhood. This all takes place in. Don't know it. You might not be familiar with it, but the people of Alberta, the proud citizens of Alberta mm-hmm. are like not at 149 no. a Avenue. That's my favorite intersection. Oh my God. That's the intersection where it all goes down. That's right. Maple syrup, poutine, whatnot. <laughs> really good Kit Kat. Oh, you just right? stand on that corner and eat a fucking oh. Kit Kat. Where was we were somewhere? Oh, we got shipped from our Vancouver show. Yeah. We got shipped uh, uh, all, all the gifts that we take home from everybody. Mm-hmm. And there was a bag of candy. And I go, throw in all the <laughs> Kit Kats. And George is like, there aren't any. They're already gone because we ate them all in the venue. <laughs> we ate them while we were standing there. Yes. Canada, please stop. Don't stop ringing us Kit Kat. Oh, God. Um, but they sent us oh, a yeah. really sweet ass, um, Cadbury Carmelo or Caramel one. That's right. God damn, that That's thing is extraordinary. <laughs> I mean, just Canada has better candy. That's all. Okay. So okay. now we're back in that yeah. neighborhood in Alberta. Do it. Donna's also seven months pregnant. Okay. So oh, shit. you can kind of see that like they're together. They're having this romance. She gets knocked up. She's like, let's make it work. And then four to six weeks later, she's like, see you super later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Randy's, everything in Randy's life is kind of the shits. Okay. As my dad would say. The shits. I the like shits. It. So just after midnight on September 30th, 1992. So Randy's trying to get back together with Donna and she's just like, please. Mm-hmm. He calls her parents' house, Donna's parents' house. She refuses to talk to him. He tells her, so I guess, but she, he gets her on the phone enough to say, um, in about an hour, go to your front window and look out because quote, you're going to see something spectacular. Oh no. She hangs up on him and goes to bed. his dick. <laughs> Is he just going to be standing out there with his dick? Just pointing to his dick and being like, am I right Remember? about the spectacularity of this thing? Remember this thing? Don't forget about yeah. him. <laughs> She's like, it's not going to work, <laughs> dude. <laughs> it worked the one time. I still have to deal with it. Right. 
Okay. So she goes to bed at 1.34 a.m. that night. Randy goes down to the Edmonton Municipal Airport. Mm -mm. He gets into his, yeah, 1969 Cessna 150H two-seater airplane. Okay. uh, Which is his pride and joy. It's his plane. It's vintage. Right. Um, he puts on his vintage <laughs> aviator glasses. The, the leather cap. Right. Helmet thing. <laughs> he puts... <laughs> you know that thing? Yep. Like Lindbergh. Uh-huh. He puts a little... He wraps a scarf around his neck like yeah. Lindbergh. Um, okay. And he basically takes off. Oh, shit. It's 1.30 in the morning. Middle, slash middle of the night. Don't do it. It's not a good idea. And he heads on over to Donna's parents' house. And he begins flying back and forth directly (sighs) over the house, making these huge loops between Donna's parents' house and the airport. Mm -mm. Just buzz and buzzing the house. Nothing says, I'll be a great father. You should totally get back together with me. I'm stable and have my shit together. Like that. Like a quick airplane buzz Mm. of your dad's house. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh... He then, as he's kind of in the middle of this, he contacts the flight service station mm-hmm. at the Edmonton International Airport around uh, a little after 1.30. He indicates that he intends to crash the plane <gasps> into Donna's parents' house. Oh, no. Now, unfortunately, and I, I imagine that the flight service station is similar, if not the same as a control tower. Yeah. It's not the language they use, but that's what I'm guessing. And no one there answers because it's 1.30 in the morning and they work from 6 a.m. till like around 8 yeah. and that's it. So, and he should know that because he worked at that air- yeah. airport. But so no one, right? No one calls back or no one responds to his, what isn't really an SOS or breaker, distress breaker, call. Breaker, yeah. breaker, this is It's just a nine weird nine. bad boyfriend announcement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, after one pass, Donna and her family run to their car and they drive to the London Dairy Police Station, which is only a few blocks away. And now at this point, the the cops at the London Dairy Police Station or the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, mm. as they are called up there mm-hmm. for short, um, they know about what's going on because the entire neighborhood has woken up and called the police showing, Jesus. holy fucking shit, there's a plane and not just doing circles yeah, he wasn't. in the air, no. buzzing the house. <gasps> So that at one point, and he would be dipping down and cutting out the engine, and people <gasps> were like, "Is he gonna crash now?" He clipped the top off of a tree. He was coming oh, like within shit. feet of the roof of the house, and in the dark. No, yeah. So people are shitting. So he's swooping, dipping, and buzzing um, right above the houses. <gasps> Uh, clips top branches of a tree so finally police go into the neighborhood and they evacuate around a hundred people out of the neighborhood because they don't know what this fucking guy's gonna do and they get him all to go over to the local um shopping mall parking lot for safety okay so a a woman who lived in the neighborhood named yolanda rover she went over to the she got evacuated um and she was quoted in the press as saying Every time it came by, I picture her voice to be kind of high and dreamlike. I love it already. Every time it came by, <laughs> I drive to a different part of the lot to get out of its way. It was unreal, like a dream, only it was real. <laughs> <laughs> Yolanda! That's Yolanda freaking the fuck out. I love you. So she's just sitting in her car sta- staring at this plane, and every time it would come anywhere near, she would drive she to go, a different oh, part of the parking oh, lot. Is this a dream or is it sorry is this a dream okay he does this for nearly two hours what a dick buzzing the house go to sleep and finally the police negotiators get into that control tower thing they get him on the horn on the plane yeah. um 
and they try to talk him down and try to get him to mm-hmm. land. And at first he refuses to speak to them. But then finally, when he's getting closer to running out of fuel, he demands to talk sure. to Donna, D-A-W-N-A. Mm-hmm. Of course, she refuses to speak to him because she's like, no, you're now you're full nuts and there's mm-hmm. no engaging mm-hmm. you whatsoever. Smart move, Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, so finally, he says to the police, Quote, I'm almost out of gas, man. You know, nobody takes me seriously. There's a lot of people asleep down there, and it'd be a disaster <gasps> if I ran out of gas where I am right now. What? Yeah. So, but police are like, they've already evacuated the area. Yeah. They've gotten people to safety, um, and they're kind of ready for the worst. And that's exactly what happens. <gasps> At 3.15 a.m., the engine on on um, Randy Mock's plane sputters and stalls out for the last time. And then he glides the plane down neatly into the Lorenz's living room window. What? Just fucking glides it down, it runs out of gas, and then he just crashes it right through their living room window. Holy shit. And there's a theory that when he called and said, look out the front window, you're in <gasps> in an hour, you're about to see something spectacular. He thought he would trick her into standing in that window while he crashed into the house. No. Yeah. That's the theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes um, sense. But of course... He knows Donna ain't like that. No. She's not going to be standing around someone like, what is it? Yeah. Is it your dick? (laughs) Is it that good dick? Okay. So another witness from the mall, and this is kind of, to me, worth the entire bothering to tell this story. Another witness from the mall is named Don Rudko. And he was so close to the crash, but like seeing the airplane before it crashed, that he actually watched as Randy Mock casually flicked a cigarette butt <gasps> out the airplane window a few seconds before he crashed it into the house. Holy shit. He told the press, quote, I could see the red spark as he tossed it out. I thought, this guy must be cool hand Luke. He's here he is. He's going to kill himself. And he flicks a cigarette out the window. Yeah. It's a little baller. It's well, it's so like done and done. Oh my God. He's just, that's a man with nothing to lose. So, so he crashes it into the front of the house, obviously inside the crash site, the cockpit with the injured pilot inside Randy mock comes to a rest in the living room. Holy shit. The wings of the plane are sticking out on either side of the demolished front door. And the fire department has to go in and use the jaws of life on the cockpit to pull Randy mock out of the cockpit. Oh my God. Which is so funny because when I was reading that, the jaws of life, when they were like an invention, it's basically like a different version of a buzzsaw that uh-huh. the fire department uses when people are trapped in cars. Yeah. So they used to have to just pull doors open, like either jimmy them open or like pull them open with their hands. Yeah. And oftentimes in really bad car accidents, they would get crashed so that you couldn't move the door. Right. And people would die inside of cars <sighs> because they'd be injured and the, the fire department couldn't get them out. Right. And I still remember when they started using the, jo- they call them the jaws of life. Yeah. Yeah. My dad would come home and tell these stories <gasps> about what what an amazing invention it is because he could like that all yeah. of a sudden they could rescue these people that were inside. So it was like a, cars. I, I remember I know I've heard all about them since I was a kid, but like so it's like a buzzsaw. I thought it was like a big prior the priors or something like well, that. Well, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, but it actually is. It's uh, from what I remember seeing in pictures, it just basically looks like a chainsaw that you can use on metal. Wow. So it's like. I'm sure there's a way they pry them as well, yeah. but it's basically like a way to get into a jammed door. Damn. I know. Crazy. So they have to go in and get him out. Um, 
using the jaws of life, they actually carry him out of the house through the back door and like leave a line of blood on the linoleum. Oh so he was God. like inside the house, which is such a fucking crazy thing to think. Mm-hmm. Um, he's taken to the hospital with serious skull fractures and facial injuries, and he ends up dying in the hospital mm-hmm. a month later. Mm. And Donna's father um, told the press, quote, I told him he wasn't welcome in my home. I guess this is how he got in. Um, and he gave the press that quote while standing in his living room filled with shattered glass and bits of aluminum fuselage. Holy shit. And then Donna's brother, they didn't have his first name. He says to the press, it was one of those love things. What? <laughs> How old is this kid? 12? He's like, this is love. <laughs> he was, there's no way he wasn't super high on drugs. <laughs> Um, cause buddy, that's not love Mm-mm. at all. It's quite the opposite. Now, uh, here's how we know it's not a love thing because actually Randy Mock in 1908 had already made the papers because Randy Mock tried to sue an ex-girlfriend, his, who was 18 years old at the time. So he was like in his late twenties and mm. she was 18 Mm-mm. cause he'd gotten her pregnant. She broke up with him and then wanted to get an abortion and he, um, was granted a temporary injunction to prevent her from getting what? getting an abortion because he argued that he and the woman, 18-year-old, had agreed to have a family and he wanted to raise the child. Wow. So they put a 48-hour injunction on her, her body. To, yes, on her fucking body. And then a judge refused to extend it past the 48 hours and she immediately went and had an abortion Jesus. because she did not want to have a child with him. Jesus Christ. So clearly he had some uh, issues with women and relationships and what his yeah. part in their, uh, the role he had in their lives was. Right. So of course, looking for trying to beef this story up a little bit more. Cause it's so fucking crazy. Yeah. I go on Reddit. Yeah. And Reddit basically is they, somebody was like, I remember a story of a guy telling a girl to stand in the front window. And it, it mm-hmm. sounds like a ghost story at first. Turns out it's the Randy mock story. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the thread, someone says, it's just like that thing that happened in August of this year. So then I fucking Wait, click on that link. Thank you, Reddit. Uh-huh. So August of this year, in Salt Lake City, a 47-year-old man named Dwayne Yud, Y-O-U-D, dies when he flies a twin-engine Cessna 525 into his own house after he's arrested for domestic violence. Ugh. So basically, he's a pilot. He works for like a private company as their like on-call pilot. Uh-huh. So he has full access to the employer's plane and the digital access code to the airplane hangar uh-huh. um, at the very small Spanish Fork Spring Springville Airport in Salt Lake City where there are no air towers. There's no aircraft traffic control monitoring mm-hmm. at all. They don't monitor who takes off and lands. They're like, go have fun. Yes. So essentially, he gets, he, he is witnessed beating his wife. <gasps> he gets arrested. He gets held in jail for like two hours. He makes bail. Uh. He goes straight to this airport. He takes up his boss's plane <gasps> and he has, and he has to then fly to crash into his own house. Uh-huh. He has to fly under high voltage power lines of go around other houses, comes right in. And Holy shit. Can you imagine being one of those houses that, is, that a fucking plane is going around? Yes. I mean, no. It's like... That's crazy. You'd be like, what in the living fuck? Yeah. And it was... Uh, at, th- at this time, it was 2.30 in the morning. Oh, my God. He crashes 
it, it, it's like kind of like what Sully Sullenberger did on the, on yeah. the fucking Hudson, except for the bad version of it. Yeah. He crashes into um, their house and his wife and 24 year old son escape. The house catches on fire. Jesus. And they run out the back and they get away and he dies <sighs> in the crash. That's crazy. Isn't that fucking crazy? And then at the end of that article, no. I swear to God, it says, it, this is the second bizarre airplane incident in recent days. I wouldn't call that bizarre. I call that a fucking psycho dick. Nightmare. Yeah. Yes. Abuser. Well, also, I think it's like, we look at pilots, they're so... People who fly planes have to have nerves of steel. Yeah. They have to be constantly the most reasonable person yeah. everywhere they go because yeah. they have to handle shit. They're like the, the bottom line of handling shit. Yeah. And it seems to me 99% of most pilots do exactly that yeah. at all times. You'd hope. I mean, right? It yeah. seems like they just do it. So when one loses their shit, it's, it's like, like so, because the quotes they had in that article, the people that he worked for, um, for 13 months, so not forever, yeah. but still, they were like, he was rock solid. Yeah. He was like, of course, he was the well, golden people boy. People put on this like facade of this, this normal, I've got my shit together. And then they just then snap, but it looks, but it's calculated and cry. And like, you can smoke a cigarette and fucking right before you crash a fucking plane because you're just so used to being like acting like everything's fine and yeah, normal that's right as you're doing the the craziest yeah. thing anyone could do you're also like anyway smoke is a thing okay uh yeah so and also i think it's that thing of like when the veneer cracks because he had been witnessed beating his wife then arrested for mm -hmm. it so it all was like yeah. any secrets that they had at home were now fully public yeah. and he was like the end yeah, like yeah. family annihilator style <sighs> we're not we can't live through this right but apparently, so at the end of that article, it was, it said, it's the second bizarre airplane incident in recent days, quote unquote bizarre. Mm -hmm. On Friday, an employee stole a turboprop plane from the SeaTac International Airport in Seattle and flew it for more than an hour before dying in a crash on an island southwest of Tacoma. What the? F oh, I remember that. Yeah. When oh, someone just yeah. stole an airplane and then crashed it. That's right. And killed themselves. Yeah. So that's my short, sweet, Jesus. and super insane, like, here's some weird airplane stories. That's crazy. I want to know more about that last one, because the guy seemed totally normal, and he didn't, he wasn't trying to hurt anyone, that one. He was just... But he was, I mean, if he's a pilot, the way he did that, you know, like, you can only get so far, you have so much fuel. Yeah. You know what the end game is when you take a plane up in the air. That's yeah. part of your job, I think, as a pilot. This guy just seemed to, like, kind of snap. Yeah. And I don't think he, I don't think he was a pilot. I think he was, like, worked with planes. And so he didn't even know how to land. Think that's what it was? I, he, and so he, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to look in more. It that's, does say an employee. So it, so you're right. It doesn't say a pilot. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know I was going to look that one up too. And then I'm like, is this, now I'm just belaboring the fact that <laughs> oh, I just had two small stories, but still <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. That's creepy. That's weird. Well, shit. Mm. All right. Well, good job for, I mean, thanks being tired. Well, I think now, now it's out of the folder. So I don't have to think about it anymore. Great. Delete. Right. Delete it. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. 
June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Maiden. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Okay. Well, speaking of Seattle. Oh. I'm, I'm not going to tell you too much about this because I want you to kind of guess some shit. That, but this is basically the Seattle cyanide poisonings. Okay. <gasps> My first guess was going to be Bigfoot. But I guess that <laughs> now that I hear the word cyanide, I'm going to take, I'm going to retract it. Okay. Okay. It's not Bigfoot. Okay. Okay. June 11th. 1986, mm. right after my sixth birthday, in Auburn, Washington. Right after my 16th birthday. Oh, they, we had a surprise party. It was fun. Cute. So, Auburn, Washington, it's a suburb about 25 miles outside of Seattle. Uh, 40-year-old Susan Snow, she's a mother of two teenage girls. She works as a bank manager. Um, she woke up at 6 a.m. and started her normal morning routine. She kissed her husband, Paul, who was a long-haul trucker, goodbye as he left for work. Mm-hmm. And w- wished her 15-year-old daughter, Haley, a good morning. Goes into her bathroom, plugs in her curling iron, starts to get ready for work. Um, but another one of her normal things, routines in the morning, which she did all the time because she suffered from really painful headaches. She took her, uh, pretty much daily dose of two extra, extra strength Excedrin capsules Uh-oh. from the bottle in her kitchen. Oh shit. That's right. About 40 minutes after she went into her bathroom to get ready, her daughter Haley went into the bathroom to see what was taking her mom so long. No. I know. And found Sue collapsed on the floor of the bathroom. Um, 
Sue was unresponsive but had a faint pulse. And when Haley called 911, she told them that it seemed like her mother was asleep but with her eyes open. Oh, no. I know. That's so awful. It's so sad. Um, Gasping for breath and her pulse fading, Sue's flown by helicopter to the hospital where doctors work to determine what is even wrong with her. They don't know how to help her because they can't figure out what's wrong. Maybe she slipped while getting ready and hit her head, but she didn't have any bruises. Um, Had she been electrocuted by the curling iron? Mm. No. And uh, nothing seemed to add up. And so doctors were baffled. And just a few hours later, Sue Snow had died. Shit. Yeah. During the autopsy on Sue Snow, this chick, assistant, she's the assistant medical examiner, Janet Miller. She's like, yo, I fucking smell a very faint scent of bitter almonds, yep. which I am, I know from experience means cyanide. Now you were pointing at yourself, Georgia, but you, you were playing the part. Janet is yes. like, yo, you were I, in the role of Janet. Yes. Right now. Janet knows from experience that like, that's the scent that bitter almonds historically historically like the the book that was written about this is named bitter almonds is it really (laughs) yeah um (laughs) because also it's kind of a play on words it is Mm -hmm. uh as you'll see soon um the main medical examiner person was like shut up you assistant be quiet i don't smell anything and and they're like well and also it doesn't show any of the telltale signs of cyanide poisoning like her skin wasn't bright pink that sort of thing so Mm. she was like blew her off she was gonna just put down that she died of natural causes uh, had an undiagnosed heart issue and janet uh then later this doctor comes in to say to the main person so what happened and she starts to t- to tell her like, oh, it's just a heart issue. And Janet's like, yo, motherfuckers, <laughs> you should probably listen to me. And like told another doctor was like, good. This bitch is not listening to me. You should listen to me. Awesome. Amazing. And her fucking politeness <laughs> and saying and not staying in her lane might have saved a bunch of other lives. I bet it did. I bet it did. Because so uh, when they sent Janet's, uh, you know, tissue, blood things sure information information (laughs) when it was tested it was verified that snow had died of an acute cyanide poisoning and then i wrote and janet janet was like booyah bitches and toasted her badassness with her friends that night probably (laughs) don't you think they all had like champagne and was like i fucking told this bitch it was it was fucking cyanide but also why resist if you're looking into someone's death a 40 year old woman dies unexpectedly there's no explanation and someone smells the faintest bit of fucking bitter almonds yeah and also just like it's that thing of how many years of uh coroners being like i guess it's a it was a heart embolism or like some weird made-up thing where it's like or look into it right or if one person smells almonds yeah and the thing about cyanide too is that uh the ability to smell it is uh genetic and 20 to 40 percent of the population don't carry the gene to detect it Ooh, then you shouldn't be allowed to be the coroner that's right or you should have someone who can yes i don't know um we, these are the things we're going to get solved in the next midterm election that's right we're going to have a, bal- a ballot measure <laughs> and it's going to be great smell that smell that cyanide <laughs> hey does it smell like cyanide to you then get the fuck out of this war- department <laughs> yeah so um investigators go and examine the contents at of sue's house and th- they discover that the source of the cyanide is the bottle of extra strength excedrin capsules that both snow and her husband paul had used the morning of snow's death three capsules out of those that remain in the 60 capsule bottle were found to be laced with cyanide in toxic quantities so the husband fucking took some (gasps) she took some and she died and there was three more in there whoa that were cyanide laced right 
suspicious. And so this murder by cyanide is a fucking huge sensational news, of course, across the nation. Um, and everyone loses their shit, especially because just four years earlier was the 1982 Chicago Tylenol murders yes. that I covered in episode 43, where, <laughs> yes, I looked that up. That's one of my, still one of my favorites. I covered an episode for you. I covered, I, all I'm saying is I'm not going to get into it because you can. No, 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 I know. You know what I mean. But Please it's still one of reference. my favorites. I like that you're referencing your own story. Yeah, I just don't want to talk too much about it, but it is still like, I love that case so much. I still fucking think that Ted Kaczynski did it. I think it's just like, it's so crazy. It's the, it's such a fascinating story. Yeah, it it's really a, is. It's a good listen. Um, and then, so of course, the Chicago, Chicago Tylenol murders scared the shit out of everyone. Seven people died when Tylenol capsules had been laced with cyanide and put back on store shelves. And those murders, four years later and to this fucking day, have yet to be solved. I remember all of this. This is this was all my teen years. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Do you, do you remember this story? I do because because it happened after and it had that thing of like this was before Is this a thing now that's happening all the time? Right. It's the it's um because it was before the silver tabs that used to go on yes. top of everything. Right. There used to you used to just open stuff and there would just be cotton stuff to right. the top and that was the way that they kept things safe for everybody. There wasn't even <laughs> childproofing back then. No. There was kind of nothing. So yeah. it was that thing of like, yeah, it doesn't make sense that yeah, anyone you know? could have access. Right. It's it's good that anyone with a glue stick who can glue the like ta- the paper box back together can yeah. put it back on the shelves any weirdo they hire at the weirdo grocery store down the street that's right can get into your business that's and right it's the thing you don't know you don't realize it until right something terrible happens like this right so this happens and of course suspicion immediately falls on sue's husband paul Especially when he started wearing Hawaiian shirts and shorts after the funeral. No, Like Paul. he was on fucking vacay. No. Right? And he got angry when investigators started questioning him. So, of course, everyone's like, dude, it's Paul. And he was, <laughs> Sue was his fourth wife. Oh, the, the two daughters weren't, were from her previous marriages. They'd only been married about seven months before Susan's death. And Susan had found out that Paul had cheated on her with an ex. Jesus. But had decided to stay with him. Right. So everyone's suspicious of him. Sorry. They'd only been married seven months and he'd already cheated on her. Yeah. Maybe they, I don't know when he cheated, but yeah. I mean, he might have cheated before they got married, but they had only been married for seven months. Just don't get married. Just don't cheat. I know. (sighs) Just don't. I know. Just don't. Please. But, (laughs) but then they do. Then they do. Okay. Um, so everyone was like, it's totally him, right? It's Hawaiian shirt, it's Joe. Hawaiian shirt, dude. Yeah. Okay. But then everything gets crazy and mixed up when another tainted bottle from the same lot, the same manufacturer lot, was found in a grocery store in nearby Kent, Washington. Fuck. Um, the manufacturers of Excedrin, Bristol Myers, lost their shit, recalled all extra strength Excedrin products in the Seattle, Washington area, and a group of drug companies came together to offer a $300,000 reward for the capture of the person responsible. That's pretty cool. Right. The last cool thing any drug company ever did. <laughs> That's right. Before they started trying to murder all of us. I have proof of something shitty they did in just a second. <laughs> It's pretty great. Um, that's when, okay, so then this money comes forward and like, we need help finding this. And then this woman, bless her heart, comes forward. Oh, this woman's name is Stella Nickel. She tells authorities that on June 5th, so it's about a week before Susan had died, uh, about a week before, uh, her husband, Stella's husband, Bruce, had come home with a headache from work. 
took in a bunch of took in <laughs> taken a bunch of excedrins he fucking strolled out to onto the deck to watch the birds and then suddenly collapsed oh god he was taken by a helicopter to a seattle hospital and he died as well but the doctor said that the cause was emphysema at the time and stella said that doesn't make any fucking sense he didn't have ex- 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 eczema <laughs> did i say emphysema or did i say eczema you said emphysema great <laughs> <laughs> She, he, she was like, he didn't have, maybe he had eczema, but he didn't have emphysema. <laughs> you can't drop dead from emphysema if you don't got it. If you don't have it, right. Yeah. So she was like, fuck this shit, you need to change, that's not true, right? Yeah. Okay, so here's, here's, all right. In what was supposed to be the 1991 USA Network made-for-TV movie about this case oh. called Who Killed Susan Snow? Right. This chick Stella... Our friend Stella over here, 44-year-old Stella, was to be played by Peggy fucking Bundy. Yes. Katie Seagal. Katie Seagal. Who is, if you see this woman, it looks so much like her. I don't want to show you a photo, but it looks so much like her. It's uh. like, they they basically wanted her to be Peggy Bundy, but with like roots and like kind of look a little worn and like she had lived a hard life. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it looks exactly like her. Um According to a 1988 People article, Stella was into, quote, bar hopping and skin-tight dresses. She was just like a 40-something-year-old who just liked to go to the fucking local watering hole, smoke her capris with her skinny lighter in there, and fucking drink. And live. Drink and live. And finally live her life. Live like a fish, drink like a person. Yes. Um, And... So she had married Bruce and he was into that shit too. So they were like partying all the time. Awesome. Bruce was match made in heaven. Exactly. Bruce was Stella's second husband and their life together in a wash and they lived in a Washington straight state trailer park. And apparently it was kind of a bummer of a life though. Okay. As you could imagine. Okay. But unfortunately, uh, the, the plug got pulled on this film. This is made for TV movie. Oh. Because the drug companies, Big Pharma, was like, no, 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 you're not making us possibly look bad. And they fucking pulled the plug. So. Because that's who actually controls entertainment. That's right. Big uh, Pharma. So that means I don't know who was going to play anyone else, but we oh, can okay. speculate. So when Stella, who was like, you, you need to keep looking, he didn't die of emphysema. When she heard about the, t- that Sue's death, sh- she was like, oh shit. And checked her lot number on her Excedrin. It was the same lot number as Sue, Susan's bottle. Whoa, okay. Yeah. So, um, she test confirmed the presence of cyanide in the bottle that she had and in Bruce Nichols' remains. So, he had died from the same thing. Okay. So, both Paul, Susan, Susan's husband Paul, and our friend Stella filed wrongful lawsuits against Bristol Myers, but the FDA inspected the plant work the Excedrin lot had been packaged and found no traces of cyanide. Okay. Still, Bristol Myers recalled all Excedrin capsules in the United States pulled them from the shelves and warned consumers not to use any they already had. So it's like a million dollar loss. Yeah. I th- I don't think I've, because if I remember correctly, they were the white pills. Right. I think extra strength, et cetera. I think they're still at the time, the ones that you can pull apart and put shit in them. Really? I don't know. Uh, well, from what I remember, they were, it was looked like hard aspirin. Yeah. Where I was like, how do you do anything to that pill? Yeah. But I could just be remembering it that one Who way. Who knows? Who knows? Not me. So on June 24th, just a couple weeks after Sue's death, a cyanide contaminated bottle of extra strength, uh, anison three, which doesn't <laughs> anison exist. Anison three was the shit. Qu- no. <laughs> Tell us, Karen. Anison, wasn't that one that was like, 
like marketed toward back pain. Oh yeah. I feel like it was. Also Dones. Remember Dones back pills? No. Dones were like strictly back pills. They were just cocaine. It was <laughs> just numb you out from like your C4 down. That's right. Yeah. Um, so a bottle of those were found at the same store where Susan had bought her contaminated Excedrin. Uh, and those were contaminated as well. So on June 27th, Washington State put into effect a 90-day ban on the sale of non-prescription medication in capsules. Fuck. So I think a capsule. Oh, capsules. Okay. Yeah. So I think that it's the kind that you can tamper it with. Makes, that would make much more sense. Sure, but who knows? So investigators then, at that point, they started to get suspicious of someone specific mm-hmm. who our friend Stella because oh. she turned over two bottles of Excedrin that she had bought and she was like these are the bottles that he might have taken them from but then she was like I bought them at two different locations at two different times so uh, and they had both ended up being contaminated with cyanide. So a total of five bottles had been found to, con- to be contaminated in the entire fucking country. And they thought it was really weird that Stella had bought two of those at two different places. Quite a coincidence. Quite a weird coincidence. Then, okay, examinations of the contaminated bottles by the FBI crime lab. They, they opened up these capsules and they found that not, there wasn't just cyanide in them. They also contained this weird thing of little flecks of these green crystals throughout the cyanide Uh and they were like what the fuck is this this is really weird no okay algae destroyer Uh uh-oh from a fish tank from a home fish tank (laughs) hey okay guess who has a fucking home fish tank hobby our girl stella 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 the mermaid stella the mermaid stella has a fucking home fish tank habit girl so wait they were breaking down like every chemical compound yeah like what touched these pills they probably would have never fucking found her if this hadn't been the case yeah because what they think happened is that maybe she had a mortar and pestle or whatever the fuck crunched that shit her fucking that was her algae cruncher (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she never cleaned it out, crunched that fucking cyanide up in the same thing. And so it's just cross-contamination. Girl. It's not even on purpose. She did it to herself. She did it to her fucking, like, so simple. So guess what else? Our good friend life insurance policy oh, comes into play. Sure it does. As it always does. It always does. It's not just for fun. No. So Stella had taken out a total of about $76,000 in life insurance coverage on her husband, which in today, that's 1988, and today's money is... it. That's easily $852,000. That's right. To the fucking penny. To the penny. However, if his death was accidental, she got an additional $100,000. <sighs> okay... Aside from the fact that this is such a fucked, every time we tell stories like this, and it's basically just people being like, I'm going to cash in on the person I'm married right. to. Right. Which in and of itself is disgusting. I'm done with this life. I'm going to cash in on this I'm going to cash in on a human being. Yeah. But then she kills someone's mom also. Right. Okay. So, so here's the thing. Okay. So, uh, that's why I remember she was fighting with the doc, with emphysema doctor of oh, being right. like, it's not emphysema. I know it's not emphysema. It's because she needed him to say it was a fucking accidental death. Right. So that's she could right. get that extra, cause $76,000 or 826 million in today's in money today's. <laughs> was not enough for her. She right. needed an extra hundred thousand. Um, so then, uh, they were able to investigate what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought of what if it was all so that she could buy more and more tropical fish. <laughs> she needed more algae destroyer. She she loved those fish. She had these huge angel fish. But they lived in a trailer. 
too. Uh, yeah, but sometimes you just eat that's she funneled all the money into that fish tank so that they were like, we don't need a house. Yeah. What we need is a great house for these fish. I just think of how like how like humid and smelly it was in that trailer with, with that huge fish tank uh-huh. with that with that nine by 25 tropical fish tank <laughs> yes. that was like everyone you see in a rapper's house yeah. on cribs. Yeah, or what about that TV show where they make fish tanks <laughs> called Tank? Is it? I think it's called Tank. Is it? I'm getting a nod from Stephen. Yes, Stephen, do you watch Tanked? Stephen's so excited. No, but I, or I did watch it. I did watch one episode specifically, but I, I think it was like Kevin Smith. It's on or something. when you're like in the hotel room or like a yeah. bar, or like the hotel bar, more like, and it just happens to be on. And you're like, what the fuck? They made a whole show of this, and it's actually kind of kind of good. I have to say, in any action movie, if they come right. in and shoot up the bad guys like Shark Tank, totally, that he has, and then you see the wave that comes out, that's probably the most excited I get. That's got to be a really expensive um, budget. Yeah, because you shoot that once and then you have to take it again, which means you have to roll in a brand new fish tank. And also because of the fucking pita, you can't get, kill those fish. No, those are all just rubber fish with oh. little motors. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, how do you know that, Karen? Did you guys do that in baskets once? Yep, <laughs> on baskets we like to fake, kill fake fish all the time. It's like a thing. Um, okay, so tanked. Oh, tanked. It's called tanked. Oh, Thank look you, at these Steven. two tank toasts. They're. <laughs> They love fish. It's real fun. This is all in Spanish, Stephen. <laughs> is this a Spanish show? No. Oh, it's on Animal Planet. Yes. Please watch Tanked, everybody. <laughs> Our new favorite it's show. It's from 2012. <laughs> so Stella takes a polygraph test in November of 1986, fails it. But unfortunately, there's no concrete evidence proving that she ever purchased cyanide and authorities aren't able to build a strong enough case to support her. There's no there's no prints on any of the bottles, anything like that. There's no video evidence of her like putting the uh, bottles back on the shelves. Right. So like we fucking have nothing. And it's possible that this case would have even gone cold <laughs> and no one would have been arrested except for her daughter who fucking hated her. Oh, shit, yeah. girl. Okay. So, 27-year-old Cynthia Hamilton, who would have been played by a fucking hard-lifed Molly Ringwald. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. But in a good way, but like pretty, but like chain smoke. Everyone chain smokes. Yeah. It's like, is it northern or central Washington? Yes. Yeah. Um... And they and she was in and out of her mother's life for years. When when Cindy, the daughter, was nine years old, Stella had hit her with a curtain rod so hard it had bruised Cindy's legs. She, so Stella was pretty abusive. Oh shit! Um, and Stella had been charged in order to go to counseling and said that. But Stella denied ever hitting her daughter and said that her daughter made the whole thing up because she was jealous of her. <laughs> the nine-year-old girl was jealous of her. Oh no! So she basically Cindy. That's the daughter's yeah. name. Cindy has a total sociopath of a mother. Yeah. Okay. Cindy. Cindy's got Cindy from an early age. Just like, oh shit, my mom is just, uh, capital A crazy. Right. But Cindy has a conscious conscience. That's right. Where are we? Number two. Cindy has a conscience. <laughs> yes. And is like, this is something, this isn't right. I need to talk to the fucking authorities about this. Um, and even though, uh, it was her stepdad, it wasn't even her real, her real father. Yeah. So in January of 1987, Cynthia, Cindy approaches the police with information. She said that her mother had spoken to her many times about wanting her husband dead. Oh, Cindy's no. stepdad. Stella had told Cindy that after, that ever since Bruce had quit drinking, he was a bore. <laughs> Now, listen, (laughs) as someone who's quit drinking, I know that that's a fact. (laughs) 
<laughs> Things get way less dramatic when you're not shit faced every day. She said he preferred to stay home and watch television, that's which right. I'm like, I drink and that sounds great to me. <laughs> it's the best. You when can you're be sober. a bore and drink. Do you know how fucking hard it is to go out into the world sober and just like just get that white hot light of reality shown on you at everywhere you go? No, I don't try it. Oh. You gotta try it. It's hilarious, <laughs> but it's much easier to stay home. Yeah. So they 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 had stopped going out to bars together. So she was like, "This guy's a bore. I'm Peggy Bundy." <laughs> um, also, bars when you're sober, oh. it's like if th- about thirty five minutes, you can have fun, but you have to know when to go home because people start repeating themselves, <laughs> and it is a disaster area. I gotta. I, I'm. A, I support you 100. <laughs> percent Thank you. This is why I never beg you to come out to like bars and shit. I'm like, why would I? You have to come here. There's like really bad notches. <laughs> There's nothing to offer you. There's really hard to follow conversation about things you don't care That's about. That's right. Yeah. So Cynthia, Cindy also claimed that uh, her mother had spoken to her about what the two of them could do with the life insurance money if Bruce were dead. Oh, no. But Cindy said that her mother had even told her that she had tried to poison Bruce previously with the plant foxglove. Oh. Which I guess is a poisonous plant. It's very witchy of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it didn't work. But still, there's no smoking gun. Cindy hadn't seen Stella put the poison into the pills, and Stella had never confessed anything to her daughter. And then Cindy told authorities that after the... But then Cindy was like, you know what? Oop, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Just threw a pen at the microphone. Oh, I want to also say... Okay, but that... Okay, hold on. Boop. Let me think. Okay, but then Cindy was like, you know what might work? My mom started... After the foxglove thing, my mom started to check out books on poison at the fucking (gasps) library. Girl, this is like that part of Seven where they just go and they look up all the books the person looked up. That's right. And they did that. They got a fucking search warrant or whatever. They got all the books. They found the books that she had checked out at the Auburn Public Library and showed that she had checked out numerous books about poisons, including a book called Human Poisoning... Oh, girl. Be a little more subtle. Cover it up. Native and cultivated plants and deadly harvest. (laughs) Um, So they fucking fingerprint that shit. Yeah. The FBI fingerprints that shit. It only has roughly 1,500 fingerprints. That's right. But they also subpoenaed her, um, I don't know, you know, card. Sure. Her information. (laughs) Yeah. And saw that she had checked it out. They found her fingerprints on it, including the page that belonged to Cyanide. And they have their, what they can do. And also, so what they think happened was that she poisoned her husband. He died. The doctor wouldn't, would only say it was emphysema. So to get it back to the fucking poison, she went out after that and put poison fucking bottles on the shelf oh my god so sue the reason sue died a week later is because those bottles hadn't been on the shelf yet so if the doctor had been like he got poisoned and it was accidental poisoning she would have gotten her money and left it alone right but she went out and basically not saying it's the doctor's fault at all but she went out to garner more attention to get that accidental death and killed sue and killed susan snow Wow. Isn't that fucking awful? Yeah, it really. So it is. So on December 9th, 1987, Stella Nichols indicted by a federal grand jury on five counts of uh, product tampering, including two which resulted in the deaths of Susan Snow and Bruce Nichols. So she's not. So the F it's, it's federal because after the Tylenol murders, they, the uh, FBI, uh, did a strict new federal anti-tampering act and it was like super strict you can't tamper with drugs so that's why it was federal but so she wasn't tried for their their murders oh. it was tampering that led to the deaths of these two people why because that sentence would be longer or something like it was a bigger deal I don't know so <laughs> <laughs> you said that just like my cousin Eileen well, I don't know I don't know I don't know 
So she goes to trial in April of 1988. Cindy agrees to fucking testify against her mother as long as her mother doesn't get the fucking death penalty. And they're like, great, that won't happen. Talk about, wow, what a complex relationship that is. Yeah. Stella's found guilty on all charges. She becomes the first person charged and convicted under this federal anti-tampering act. She's sentenced to two 90-year terms for the charges relating to the deaths of, of Susan Snow and Bruce Nickel and three 10-year terms for the other product tampering. She'll be eligible for parole in this, this fucking year oh. at 73 years old. Jesus. So I think they're trying to also get those, figure out a way to, to charge her with murder as well. Yeah. But she fucking is like, I am innocent. This is some bullshit. She's doing all these like appeals and shit because she said there's a bunch of evidence that was never turned over to the defense. She also claims that her daughter... Uh, lied in order to get that. Remember that $300,000 that was offered to people who could help by the oh, drug yeah. companies? Yep. The daughter got 250000 of that money. So it's almost like she said, she said, like, she's doing it for money. She's doing it for yeah. money. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, but, sin- but uh, fucking Stella Nickel continues to maintain her innocence. Yeah, but girl. I know, girl doesn't look good for you. It does. There's too many coincidences. There's too many. And that's just uh, Seattle cyanide poisonings. That's amazing. Because I remember the Excedrin one coming after Tylenol. Yeah. I did not know it was that involved and crazy. That crazy? Yeah. How did I? I didn't really know about it either. So nuts. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <sighs> what, uh, hey, let's talk about positive shit. Hey. Yeah, what do you got? Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, look. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but okay. <laughs> I love the new season of Big Mouth, of course. Mm. But my, uh, please go watch The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell on Netflix, everyone. It is, it's, they're, everyone's saying, and it's so true, it's like Tim Burton meets Martha Stewart. Oh. But, it was also filmed at Jim Henson Studios, mm-hmm. I think, because there's puppets and shit involved. It is so charming and good. And I know the girl, Christine McConnell, she's so talented, the self-taught, like, you, you're not going to be able to do a lot of the projects she shows you how to do, uh-huh. but they're really fun to watch, and some of them you will, and you'll get a lot of tips. But it's also such a cute, fun show, to, and it's so enjoyable. Christine is lovely. My, fr- my friend Kate Perovich does all the hair for it, too. It's just, and I got to go on set, and it's just like, a, it's a really charming, fun show. So sorry, it's like a craft show. It's like a cooking and craft show with a storyline that she is this macabre like woman who lives in the house with her pets, which are these like this, this raccoon that had that she taxidermied and came back to life. And it's but it's got like a <laughs> fork for a hand. And her name's Rose. And I'm in love with her. And like the Sphinx cat who was this Egyptian god. And he's just amazing. So she's real. This is she's like real. a scripted like she's this reality show almost it's it's like a scripted cooking show okay so it's like giada de laurentis if she and tim burton made a show but she shows you how to make these things and i've followed her on instagram forever she's just incredibly talented and really really cool girl but it's really cute and charming and fun and i think kids will like it it's it's a little bit it's for adults but they won't get a lot of the jokes. So I think a really cool, talented kid will really appreciate it. I feel like it's going to be one of those shows in 20 years that someone's like, when I was 11, I shot, I saw this show and I knew I wanted to be a whatever. Yeah. It's just, it's a really charming show. Awesome. Yeah. I loved, I watched the whole season. It's like six episodes in one night. Very cool. And it's on Netflix. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to get a sense of like, it's, it's 
crafts, but also it's scripts. It's, it's cooking and crafts. To it. And there's, yeah, it's like you come into her house. It's like her family. Like you come into her house and she shows you how to make all these things based on whatever day they're having or whatever's going on. It's just a really cute show and Christine is just lovely. Cool. Yeah. I have to see it. Yeah. Well, mine this week would, would be to mention that Tales from the Tour Bus has started oh, again. Yeah. And this season, so last season it was all country stars and I talked about it extensively. Um, it's my judges series on Cinemax. This season, they're doing the story of funk. And the first episode, which aired, I think, last week, is was all about George Clinton and Parliament and Bootsy Collins. Amazing. And it that story <laughs> about them playing being on acid and playing and then the lights go on, it's three in the morning and no one's in the Yeah. Home. Like there's just stories where you're just like, this is what it's all about. Yeah. It's so, it's so good and it's so incredible. And the fact that they change genres yeah. and like, it's so interesting. Anyway, so, um, I'm just super glad it's on again because it's one of my favorite favorites. It's great. Um, so yeah, watch Tales from the Tour Bus. Cool. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. And just, and also just, we talked about it already, but we, I mean, the week we had last week was so fun and exciting and cool. And there was just lots of really humongous, like peak experiences yeah. and big moments for us. And we, they just kept coming. So it's like, it was hard to, I feel like if we had shows in between, we would have like spent good time yeah. isolating and going, wow, that was amazing. Thank you so much. But I mean, this whole, I feel like we haven't been able to do that for almost three years because everything has just been so peak and crazy and it keeps coming and it's just, never ending and so fun and we're so lucky um oh i have a quick yeah it's been very it's been very exciting um hold on for as much as we are complaining <laughs> and talking about being tired right it's also in a good way oh um also shout out to cincinnati murderinos they may they raised 1267 dollars for rain shit during their murder ball in october nice they said yes we had a murder ball with music and dancing and costumes and a cookie bar and a photo booth yeah hope we made you proud you fucking did yeah you did thanks cincinnati murderinos this whole thing is just bananas oh i would also like to say this um, because the midterm elections just happened mm -hmm. and everyone busted their ass. Everyone voted. There's the highest, they say it was the highest percentage of youth vote ever. Amazing. Or something like that. Yeah. Like that the difference is like hundreds of percentages up. So thank you all the like, you know, 20 year olds that kind of weren't paying attention before and all of a sudden were like, we got to take part. Mm -hmm. Um, because real change was affected in this in this last election and this like we're stuck in this media uh like a media kind of turnover where nobody ever focuses on how good things are that when the good things happen right they just speed right to well this problem and that problem mm -hmm. that's going to be coming up but hundreds of women were elected into the government um like major changes happen and i think like it's really good to go find those stories where you know people are grassroots style taking back this country yeah. and pulling it back from uh, out of the hands of of these fucking lunatics and these hate mongers and these literal nazis yeah people are standing up and going no fuck you that's not how it's gonna go and i know personally i was just really scared on tuesday 
that it wasn't going to go that way yeah. and that there were there was going to be a lot of like really negative things that happened and there was so much to be excited for the next day um hopefully hopefully with the recount with stacy abrams that she will i mean it's kind of amazing yeah. we're going to atlanta and that's where like the biggest story in the election is happening totally, right now totally but just thanks to everybody who voted and participated and like stay positive and stay um engaged because there's more work to be done Yeah, even if you didn't get the outcome you wanted it was you affect change when you show when you show up when you show up and you and you vote for the people you believe in and you which means voting against the the fucking like straight up white supremacy that's fucking, happening in this country that's right it's so fucking crazy and awful um also listen to pod save america which is like cutting edge podcasting about the political system right now right if you don't know things or you want to know there's so much information just right at hand yeah and it's easier than ever to be informed and to take back this country. So that's right. Thank you for everybody who did it and participated because it's so important. Yeah. 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 Right, everybody. Uh, and thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it so fucking much. Yeah. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis. Want cookie? <laughs> there it is.